0: Hello and welcome to the latest in our series of podcasts, In-House in Conversation. My name is Rowan Turrell, I'm the Head of Dispute Resolution at Boys Turner and I'm delighted to be joined today by Christian Vider, who is the SVP and General Counsel for Legal Business Services at OpenText. Hello Christian, and thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Hello Rowan and uh, thanks for having me.
0: Before we kick off, could you tell us a little bit about what it is that OpenText does? And then we'll find a little bit more about you and uh, what it is that you do.
1: Absolutely. Um, So OpenText, we call ourselves the information company. Um, And what we do is we power and protect information um, in in a very basic uh, way. Um, We allow companies to gather, collect, structure uh, and use their information in a way that adds value. We call that the information advantage. We're giving companies the opportunity to uh, gain the information advantage. And that includes a, a lot of a variety of different products. I don't want to go into details uh, because that would probably fill this entire podcast, <laughs> but that's what we do. We help companies to manage their information.
0: And in terms of your role, what does that look like? And what does your team look like?
1: My role is a bit of a hybrid role. Um, I, I started here a long time ago and 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 we, we used to do, do everything um, in in the region. Um, so it's a full service legal department actually in EMEA and APAC. So my team would cover um, all the commercial activities. we cover privacy, we cover employment law matters, we cover uh, 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 any disputes, litigation. it's done locally. Um, we cover corporate matters it's a little different uh, in north america where my team is slightly more commercially focused and we have uh our own corporate uh, uh department handling corporate matter of ip and and employment law in, in north america so uh, it it's a, it's a bit of a hybrid model more commercial in north america and full service legal department in May and
0: and it it's quite a big team that you don't understand
1: and so we just recently, uh, uh, oh, less than a week ago, uh c- completed our latest acquisition, uh, and that's the acquisition of Microfocus. So my team now is 110 people, just shy of that, 109 to be precise, Um and, and that's based uh, globally uh in, in, in a good number of jurisdictions. So we have uh, a, a, a really good-sized global team now.
0: So it's effectively, you're running a, a team that is bigger than many law firms in terms of the uh, number of staff that you're managing.
1: Uh, you, you could say that, but there are many law firms that are bigger than that.
0: Oh so. yes, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did you come to to get to where you are now? Tell us a little bit about your career progression and your background. I, I started
1: in in the kind of early to mid 90s of the last century. That sounds a long time ago. Um, in private practice, and then, uh, kind of in the late nineties, um, I, I went in house as a legal counsel in Germany, um, and, um, then rose through the ranks in 2000. I've been given responsibility over Germany, 2001, uh, included Israel and Turkey, and 2002, Eastern Europe. Uh, fast forward in 2004, uh, I was offered EMEA general counsel role. That was at that time. It was a company called Nortel. We had thirty billion at the peak, uh, so it was a good-sized legal department. Um, and we moved to to England. Then in two thousand and nine, they went insolvent. Unfortunately, one of the biggest insolvencies on 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 the planet. In two thousand and ten, I joined another Canadian company. That's OpenText, um, and it was very interesting. Nortel at the peak was. 30 billion of revenue and 110, 120,000 employees. When I joined OpenText, it was 700 million of revenue and 3,000 employees. Um, so OpenText has been a wonderful growth story. Um, that's 13 years ago now um, yep. when I joined them. Um, and when I joined, I had four employees reporting into me and today I have 110.
0: <laughs> so growth for the company and growth for you there as well.
1: I agree, yes.
0: <laughs> And what do you like best about your role? What I like
1: about my role is the variety. Um, and uh, the var- variety of working in different legal areas and the variety to work in different cultures, in different regions, in different countries. Um, one of the things that that I think is really, really important for um, a lawyer working with an international team is... Um, cultural diversity. We all talk about diversity and we usually refer to uh, gender diversity and, 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 and racial diversity. But in a legal department, I think cultural diversity is as important as all of these because if you look at the finance world, one plus one is two. One plus one equals to anywhere on the planet. If you look at the legal world, one plus one does not actually equal to because some countries have different cultures and they have different laws. And as a result of that, one plus one may actually equal 1.4 or 2.6 or anything in between. <clears throat> so if you're, uh, as a lawyer, if you um, have that that mindset of accepting different cultures and actually learn from them, because there is a reason why in a country like India, one, 1 plus one may equal 2.3 rather than two, um, and they do that for a reason. Uh, if you understand that, then actually it helps your, your own um, thinking process. You look at things, you learn to look at things from different perspectives. Um, and that makes you richer as a lawyer. And that's what th- that's probably the thing that I enjoy most.
0: Yeah, I can say so you, you obviously you cover a lot of countries now with the size of the team that you have. What are the challenges does that present for you?
1: Well, there is is the obvious time zone challenge. It doesn't always make it easy. Um, And we just added another element to that. We now got a colleague in New Zealand, which makes it even harder. Uh, We had Sydney before. (laughs) That's still workable, but uh, New Zealand makes it even tougher. Um, But the challenge really is to, uh, and I wouldn't call it a challenge in a a negative sense. I call it, it, it's more of a positive thing to bring all of these people together. So our philosophy is we operate a global team. We do not want to operate in silos. Um, Silos meaning either uh, people being dedicated to a particular product unit or in a particular country. Uh, We really want to be a global team and we do a lot of things that allow people to be part of that global team and participate in global initiatives. And that's actually the challenge. to to arrange all of that. The bigger the team gets, the harder it is to um, rein everybody in and kind of have that sense of being a global team and, and belonging together, the sense of togetherness. But we've been doing well so far, and I'm very confident that we will continue to do well.
0: I mean, do you find sort of, um, you know, every now is using Teams and Zoom and things like that. Do you find that helps you keep your team together or is it more of a, a challenge, you know, not being able to see your team face to face and having that kind of personal contact with them? Uh,
1: before before the pandemic, I used to say uh, you can maintain the relationship over the phone, but you can't build it over the phone. Um, in the in the post pandemic area where we have used uh, used to um, uh, video calls. I would still maintain that I, I don't think you can make, that you can create a relationship with an individual over a Teams call. You have to meet individuals in person. And um, we are allowing people and giving people the opportunity to actually meet their colleagues in person um, so that they can establish the relationship that they can then maintain over video calls. But every here and there, uh, people need to meet each other, particularly if they've not ever we had that experience. We, we had a global legal meeting in October of last year, um, and um, over the last two and a half, three years, we had a good number of new joiners, um, and it was fantastic to see that the people were really happy to, to meet in person the, the people that they've spoken with so many times on video. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so that's, that, that's the challenge, yeah.
0: Or all off to New Zealand for the next meet up. <laughs> um, maybe not. <laughs> so kind of your international growth has sort of expanded as you sort of continued through your role. But what advice would you give to an in-house lawyer who's taking on leadership of a, a function that involves an international team for the first time?
1: Um, the international aspect is the important one. Um, so we're not talking about someone who's taking on a managerial role, but rather someone who's taking on uh, an international managerial role. And that's, again, different. Understand, try to understand where people from different countries are coming from. I'm a German qualified lawyer. Yes, I'm I'm also qualified as a solicitor in the UK. So I understand uh, both systems. Um, but there are other systems on the planet. And, um, and the very interesting thing is that when when you look at the planet you have um the codified legal systems and they're either germanic german law based or could napoleonic based or you have the um the 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 english law based system singapore australia um uh the us if you look at those if you understand the the codified world and the non codified world um then basically you will be able to to understand how things broadly work in most of the countries on the planet. It's a little different when you get to Sharia law in Saudi Arabia. That that's a little different. Um, so be open, uh, have an open mind to different opinions. People, if people say, "Oh, that doesn't work. Uh, uh, one and one is not two in our country," then um, have an open mind to that. Don't, don't get upset about well, why, why do they do this differently? That's how they just do it. Uh, learn from it and try to embrace uh, diversity rather than trying to fight it.
0: Moving on slightly, you mentioned earlier about your team expanding recently because of your acquisition of um, Microfocus. That's really a very substantial acquisition. In terms of the changes to the legal team, Uh, What tips would you give to somebody else who's going through that situation and having to incorporate a new team within their team as a result of an acquisition?
1: Yeah. So I think one thing, uh, the most important thing is listen. Listen to how the acquired company and the legal department do things um, because you will find if you listen, that some of the things that they're doing are actually very good and maybe it may actually be better than how you're doing it yourself. Uh, Learn from others um, and try to combine the good things from the acquirer and the good things from the acquiree. Um, There are always good things. Um, Don't brush them away and tell them, let's do it the way we do it because that's the only right way to do it. No, it isn't. and there is always room for improvement. Um, and that's I think a very important element. Just try to learn, take give yourself the time to understand um what it is that they're doing, how it is that they're doing, and whether there's a valid reason for them doing it the way they're doing it. Maybe there is, maybe there is not. Um and 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 after that, try to combine um the different ways of doing it into something that is. Um, a better way going forward. And that includes people management as well. Uh, You you need to look at the people and try to get to know them first before you actually make any decisions.
0: You know, that's obviously, you know, a big thing for a company to go through. From the the legal team's perspective, how do you keep on going with the business-as-usual things that are landing on your desk at the same time as dealing with the sort of the implications of a big acquisition?
1: Well, the day has only so many hours. Um, and, um, uh, there is only so much you can do if, uh, during a period like, like the period we're facing right now, where we're actually dealing with integration activities, um, yeah. the highest priority is the integration activities. Now, the interesting thing is everyone else in the company has the same problem. So it's actually very interesting to see that the normal work, um, non-integration work has actually ebbed down. It's a lot less than than what it used to be. So we're getting less um sort of legacy type of standard work. And everybody's now focused on on integration activities. Um, and that's how it and, and will probably change in in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, gradually. Um, but it, it it's not a big problem at the moment.
0: And now looking back over your career and sort of if you were talking to somebody who was starting out in their first in-house role, what would be kind of the top tip or the key bit of advice that you would give to somebody that was starting out for the first time on this journey?
1: There are some key moments when I look back to my at, at my career, there were some key moments where um, where I identified that there are key moments. Um, one example is uh, in um, 2004, early. Before I was appointed general counsel, EMEA for uh, Nortel, um, we were me and another colleague uh, in the UK were invited to uh, present in front of the big legal department in Canada. And um, I thought, okay, well, this is probably a pivotal, a really important moment. So I I asked, what would the CLO? What is his area of interest? And and I heard it's. Antitrust law. He's really interested in antitrust, so I couldn't call before that. I really could not call myself an expert in antitrust. So I had four weeks to prepare the presentation. Uh, I used three weeks to become really a good expert in antitrust law, including U.S. American antitrust law. Not expert, but but have a really good understanding. And then I spent the next week in putting together a presentation. With lots of animation. So, I actually became an expert in PowerPoint. So, I delivered a presentation, and you could see the CLO, he was interested in what I was telling him. And it was actually delivered in an interesting way with lots of animations on these slides and bits and pieces and moving in and moving out. That's a very unusual way for a lawyer to do. And that is probably the presentation that got me the job in the first place. So, Identify those moments that are important in your career and then throw everything you have at that. I've been given the opportunity, and if you've been given the opportunity, use it and have an open mind. I'm a big fan of uh, different cultures. I, I And you probably heard that throughout the interview, the podcast, that I think it's really, really important. Uh, to learn from other people in different cultures and different ways that that makes you richer in so many ways.
0: Thanks so much, uh, Christian, for talking to us today. That's been a, a really insightful look into your career and some good tips there for people who are following in your footsteps. So thank you again for your time.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for joining us for this latest episode in our series. You can listen to more on our website, boysturner.com. You can also follow us via the Apple Podcast app.